Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinema Soft Underbelly. I am your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're listening, then you know this show is all about horror movies, science fiction, fantasy, gems in the rough, movies that should be seen. And I'm going to be talking to you about them. And uh, last episode, I spent some time talking about uh, the, the big box VHS days and my trompsing through the VHS stores and uh, cover art and all that good stuff. And uh, I'm going to probably just jump around today. I might talk about a couple of recently watched movies if I get to it, but I also want to talk about uh, my TV watching uh, days back in the day. And I know I, I've already talked about this before on the show, uh, but uh, just some other uh, tidbits on my first experiences with watching certain movies on TV, uh, thus shaping uh, – shaping what I like today. And uh, it, TV is a very different beast uh, today than it was way back when I was just a, just a teenager or even, uh, even early teens. Um, so obviously back then, and I'm 41 years old, but back in the day, about the only way that you could watch certain movies would be on uh, – would be a prime time – on network television, and generally it would be channels three, five, eight, and forty-three, and then there would be PBS, and you might be able to pull. I think there used to be a channel like six, channel sixty-seven. You might be able to pull in some of those channels from time to time, and if you were lucky enough, uh, you would be able to have this gigantic, humongous satellite dish in your backyard, which was a big, clumsy beast of a beast of a thing that. Uh, that honestly, in hindsight, we actually moved into a house that had one really didn't give you anything. Um, I, I I know that you could subscribe to stuff, but we never did. But the whole thing with those old satellite dishes, you could watch things from all over the planet. Well, turns out there wasn't a whole lot of interesting stuff being shown all over the planet. Lots of, of news and other languages or things that you would never, ever, ever watch. So that left you with 3, 5, 8, and 43. And uh, way back, like we're talking when I, back when I was, uh, you know, 7, 8, 9 years old. Now, again, I covered this on previous episodes. I'm not going to spend much time on it. But sometimes I would get lucky and there would be a late night movie on, like usually starting at midnight. And that would be like um, – John Carpenter's The Thing, or Halloween Two, uh, some some other movies similar similar to that, heavily heavily edited, of course. So that wasn't the optimal way to watch these movies. And then, like I said in last episode with the uh, with with VHS, that brought in a whole new realm of possibilities for for us movie fans back in the day, especially younger ones. Well. Uh, there was also another way that you could watch some of these cool movies. In fact, uh, this was – I believe this was right around the time that VHS was you know, was a thing. But it was still not the easiest to, uh, to watch some of these movies uh, just because we were younger and parents wouldn't let us watch them. And so um, we, would, we would still be stuck with television. Well, 
along comes channel 19. And I, I, I'm not going to do too much research into it, but I believe that channel 19 eventually morphed into Fox, like channel Fox, which turned to channel 8, I guess. And I'm not sure if that was the beginning of what we now know as Fox News. I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, <clears throat> channel 19 was created. And it was a smaller scale channel, but they were looking for for uh, viewers. And so we would get, from time to time, uh, horror movies shown. And not just horror movies, but some raunchy R-rated comedies as well, shown completely unedited on television. And I'm pretty sure that that was at the time a big no-no, but I, I'm guessing it was they were small enough that they were able to slip by under the radar. Uh, but because of that, I was able to watch Friday the 13th parts one and part two. I know that those were the only two that they showed, uh, the fog children of the corn, I believe was on, uh, at one point or another. And, uh, there's a chance that Porky's was on as well. Maybe even Porky's and like could be all three Porky's, but I'm pretty sure Porky's one and two was was shown on this channel. And so it was a way that you could watch some of these movies that at the time this is like, wow, this is hardcore R-rated stuff. And in hindsight, you know, looking back, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was another big one that they would show. Uh, in fact, that. I believe that was the first time I was actually ever able to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre was off of Channel 19. And I believe Friday the 13th uh, Part part uh, 1 and 2. And the, actually all of these movies. This was my first viewings of, of these movies. And, I mean, we're talking like commercials and all. So there was, you know, it was – so take Friday the 13th Part 2. Got a 86-minute runtime and it was a two-hour long program. So we would have our commercials and uh, – and it was just bizarre to be watching a television show that came in crystal clear at the time on our big tube TVs that were big square boxes, actually medium-sized square boxes. And uh, here was TNA being flashed across the screen and a uh, guy in a wheelchair with a machete buried in his face going down the steps backwards uh, and Franklin being chainsawed and it did, it was like what are we watching i think boogeyman uh, Yulia Lamel's Boogeyman from 1980 was another one. I know it was, uh, and I loved that movie back then. That was so cool. And I have the the uh, 88 films release Blu-ray of that now, and it does not, of course, which a lot of these movies don't hold up as well. That was one that did not hold up at all. But it's still because I have such fond memories of watching that as a kid. Uh, I I have to have that in my collection because that is a part of my childhood. That movie. I just thought that was such a fascinating premise for a movie and the title and uh that was before actually going to boogeyman that movie was my first i guess you could call it introduction into uh spiritual based horror movies because up to then i mean i don't really consider the shining to be that spiritual based uh i mean it it has a supernatural element but i'm talking like priests holding up crucifixes and stuff like that uh, this movie had that extremely cheesy, but there was a priest and he did have a cross and he was trying to exercise some sort of spirit and there's possessed. Hey, it was silly. 
trust me, the movie was silly, but back then it was very frightening for a child the age of, good lord, I'm not sure how old I was when the, when I first saw this, but uh, and this was another one of those Wizard Video presents Boogeyman. So I, I had seen this box at the video store, and it's in one of the big boxes, and it has this girl peeking out this window, uh, and there's like a shadow, or she's pulling back the curtains or whatever, and says, The Boogeyman. And then on the back, I, there's a good chance that the pictures were black and white, and one was a, a, a scissors being stuck into some uh, someone's neck. And it was like, I have got to see this thing. And then I did. And I'm like, that did not let me down at all back then. I'm like, this movie is like, this is top tier horror stuff we're talking about here. And when when Texas Chainsaw Massacre was shown on, on Channel 19, uh, and again, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, some, sometimes Channel 43 would also have movies, but Channel 19 was the main one that was really going for it with the uncut stuff. But Chainsaw Massacre... I had always thought uh, that this movie came out in 1984. Back when I was in high school, I was like, um, oh, "Okay, so the and I was studying, I was studying anything that I could about horror movies back then in the days before the internet. So it would just be the TV guide, and it would be the occasional Fangoria magazine that I could get my grimy hands on uh, at the uh, at the local mall at the bookstore. So." I always thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, was 1984 because anything in the 70s on down, who would watch that? Speaking of which, Night of the Living Dead was another one. I remembered another one that was that was shown. But Night of the Living Dead was on there as well. Uh, but then I find out that it's 1974 in the TV guide, and I'm like, no way. No, no, no. That's got to be uh, a typo in the TV guide because there's no way the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974 because that means that there's no violence in it and it's not going to be gory or anything and I need to have my gore because Halloween, the first one, was in 78, and that was kind of the beginning of horror movies. That's where it started, you see, and from there they improved upon themselves. So what? Um, so that was my mindset, and you know, even back then it was like Night of the Living Dead. It's black and white. Why would, why would I watch that? No, no I'm, I'm okay. So since then, of course, my viewpoints have changed so much in that uh, a lot of the best horror movies are from – to me, from the 70s and even into the 60s, uh, and dabbling into the 50s with some Hammer stuff. So, but I didn't know. And then, so then I finally actually, I, I think that it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I actually watched. And I was like, wow, that was insane. And that was 1974, really? Um, and it was, of course. Uh, and it was fantastic. And then, uh, as I, as I got more and more into horror movies and I start finding out, oh, okay, so this Exorcist movie, what is this? Let's get together with a friend whose mom will let us watch horror movies and try and get our hands on that, as well as this thing called Hell of the Living Dead. What's that, maybe? Uh, so, uh, but but that, Channel 19 was, Channel 19 and the late night on Channel 5 or whatever, the late night, horror movies that would every now and then be shown. And like I said, Halloween 2 was definitely one of them. The the thing, John Carpenter's The Thing was another. Uh, those were my first uh, first introductions to a lot of these movies and how I view them now, as well as when, when VHS came out and then I would take those long bike rides down to the little VHS store and, and rent whatever I could get my hands on. Uh, so anyway, and, and just looking back at those uh, those times, it was such a 
a fun time to be a horror fan. It was so hard to get your hands on this stuff, whereas now it is uh, – they movies are a click away. You can watch pretty much anything you want with the click of a finger on your computer or on your Roku box or your PS4 or whatever. Uh, so back then it was a challenge and uh, you know, I would have my TV guide and I'd be flipping through it and I'm like, oh, no way. Are you kidding me? Next week at this time they're showing Friday the 13th Part 2 you know, and then I would start watching that channel ahead of time as, as far ahead of time as I could in the off chance that they would have a – coming soon to channel 19 and they would every now and then and it would be like oh wow they're actually and, and they would promote it like on the commercials they would promote it as coming to you from channel 19 totally uncut friday the 13th part two and i remember really remember part two uh for them really promoting and, and out of that watching that movie the main thing i can remember from that movie is the full nude skinny dipper uh, she's got the Mickey Mouse shirt on earlier in the movie, and she walks out of the uh, lake trying to find her clothes, which her boyfriend had uh, taken from her, and he's the one that got hung upside down. Jason slices his throat, blah, 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 you know, the rest. But that was like my first really uh, vivid memory of that movie is because I was that age, and I'm like, whoa. What am I watching on television? Not, you know, this is on TV. So, anyway, uh, it it made for, uh, for uh, yeah, good times as a kid. And just getting me introduced into more, uh, more harsh stuff like The Evil Dead and how I how I acquired that VHS tape. And I have told you this before with the Silent Night, Deadly Night and all that stuff. So I don't want to rehash that, but it was still, it was cool watching uh, these old movies uh, that way. And then from there, from and then TV started to shift a little bit and it became a little bit easier to watch some of this stuff and TV became a little more popular and, you know, a bit with the, Introduction of VHS, it was just things became a little bit more easy instead of having to read the TV guide cover to cover in the hopes that there might be something weird on that you might be able to watch or or for us, us tech savvy people actually set a timer to record uh, and on our handy dandy VHS tapes, which I had my stash of VHS tapes. Now, another movie that I watched way back when on on one of these channels was Death Race 2000. And I'm happy to say I finally got the Blu-ray of this movie. And this movie came out on Blu-ray, I think, about six years ago. And um, it, it's from Shout Factory, and it's a Roger Corman cult classic uh, series. And those don't generally drop in price, but I was actually lucky enough to get that and uh, Star Crash... Uh, and uh, what was the third one? Battle Beyond the Stars. I got those three for a fairly reasonable price. So I watched them all, and uh, they were all to varying levels of fun. Death Race 2000, however, I had watched many times before, but I haven't watched it in a number of years. I watched it. It got a DVD release way back when, and I think that that was probably the last time I watched that movie was from the video store that I used to work at. So I hadn't watched it in quite a while. So I finally was able to watch it. And this is, of course, remastered and cleaned up with a plethora of special features on it. 
all very interesting. But it was cool to see uh, that movie with different eyes as I I remembered that as being another one of those super cool, super like big budget. How did they make this thing like cars with people that, you know, the drivers are dressing up like professional wrestlers and they run over people and it's gory and it's so realistic. And how did they film this? And uh, what? This is great. Well, yeah. And now not so much, but uh, as a, as a cool relic from the seventies, it truly is a fun movie and revisiting it. And I don't want to say a whole lot about this because there might be an actual written review, a little bit more in depth of this movie coming to the movie freaks, Facebook page compliments of yours truly here in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I, I think it's kind of interesting how some of those movies still have a lot of relevancy in today's uh, modern age and Death Race 2000 certainly does. And the remake, which I quite enjoy, does as well. But that original, with its low-rent feel, you're, you'd be surprised at just how telling it is uh, as far as our fixation with uh, the despair of others and the 24-hour quote-unquote news channels and if it bleeds, it leads type of mentality. I'll, I don't want to get too political tinged uh, on my show, but uh, especially in the times we live in with uh, with these Republicans and how that's going, uh, the, the debates, it's like, wow. Then you watch Death Race 2000, and it's scary to think, I wonder what this – Wonder what this country is going to look like in the next ten years. So, anyway, that's that's delving too much into depressing stuff. I don't want to be depressing. Let's talk about fun stuff like uh, uh, silly seventies sci fi movies. Uh, Speaking of which, that Star Crash was another one that I had the pleasure of watching from nineteen seventy eight, starring 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 you this is this is pretty good here david hasselhoff and christopher Plummer. so it must be good right and caroline monroe which she is a bond girl it must be good right um directed by luigi Cosi, also known as lewis codes i think or coates c-o-a-t-e-s uh i gotta say i am a big fan of this director he made lou ferrigno's hercules in 1983 which is just insane and he made Contamination from 1980, which is an alien ripoff. I loved it. And a Giallo from the from 1975 called The Killer Must Kill Again. I only watched that once on VHS – or not on VHS, on DVD uh, years ago. I need to rewatch that, but I, I do recall kind of enjoying it. Um, anyway, there's a, a bunch of stuff that this guy has done, and I've, I've liked pretty much everything that he's done. Uh, he just – Something about his style is so funny. He really, especially back in the 70s and early 80s, he really liked his stop-motion uh, Harryhausen-type stuff. And it's so funny to watch that on his movies, especially Hercules as well as Star Crash. And Star Crash came right after Star Wars. And one of the cool things about this – and I've, I'm, now I'm completely jumping into you know, my, my, uh, my review segment uh, – Watching the Blu-ray, it has 
hours of special features on it. But this Star Crash movie, it came out right after Star Wars, and one of the special features uh, Luigi is actually talking about the fact that he had never seen Star Wars before, but he read the some sort of a book on Star Wars. He he read what it was about, but he's like, that's all the farther that he got with knowing what what Star Wars was about. He's like, and we get called a ripoff of Star Wars, which Battle Beyond the Stars. Now there's more of a that's basically a mashup of of Star Wars and uh, uh, Magnificent Seven, I think, or is it the Seven Seven, seven Samurai? Where it's some, yeah. Anyway, that movie was eh. The special effects were quite good, and James Cameron worked a lot on the miniatures on that one. Uh, it looks really, really good for its, I believe, three point five million dollar budget, which is huge for Roger Corman. But the story is all over the place, and. Uh, Surprisingly enough, for a Roger Corman movie, it's way too long. Usually, Roger Corman movies are lean and mean and fast paced. That one, they're drug on and it shows. But Star Crash, at an hour and 30 minutes, it races along uh, and it's just insane. Uh, Joe Spinell, uh, who is Maniac in the movie Maniac, he's the bad guy in it as Count Zarth Arn. It's just so crazy, this movie. I'm not even going to remotely try to explain the plot. It's just random outer space things that happen, and they're hilarious, and they're stop motion. And it's just – it takes me to a time long ago. And now if you want to watch something like this, you watch Junk from the Asylum. And what makes these movies so cool is that all of the effects are practical. And yeah, they're bad. Uh, this movie, bad practical effects but they're so cool and it's so cool to see real miniatures flying in a admittedly fake looking outer space versus the really 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 bad playstation one style graphics cgi from stuff that that asylum's churning out so i i gotta say i hold some of these movies in high regard simply for the fact that there are a lot of time and energy and care went into making these movies and they did uh, watching the the behind the scenes stuff there was a lot of work that went into this movie and it was a success and it's a fun movie to watch i'm looking forward to watching this one again in fact i liked this one much more than battle beyond the stars which had which had a much bigger budget but this one here was just so goofy and all over the place i just it was just fun. So if you're in the mood for uh, special effects that that and this movie seventy eight this this movie's special effects are we're talking like original Star Trek series or worse, and it's just cool. I like it. Something about it I like, and the overacting is just funny and it works. Um, I I thoroughly dug Star Crash, and I. I enjoyed for what it was. I enjoyed Battle Beyond the Stars and, of course, Death Race 2000, which of these three is probably the most well-known. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is in it. Uh, Carradine is in it. Uh, John Carradine is in it. Uh, some other recognizable faces in that movie. Uh, but that one still probably uh, is the most relevant today. The other ones are just silly science fiction Star Wars knockoffs, and they're fun. So anyway, check those movies out. If you do have a Blu-ray player, I do highly suggest that you you uh, pick these up because they're just fun to watch. And to see the special features on these, uh, again, with just what went into them, especially the, the Battle Beyond the Stars, uh, hearing the stuff about how James Cameron got his start. He got his start on that movie and uh, Galaxy of Terror and uh, the other one, Forbidden World, I believe. 
and he got his start on those movies, and it shows. Especially, I'm not. I don't want. Don't quote me on that. Forbidden World. I love that movie, by the way. But uh, you can see by the special effects and the way they're designed, um, and as well as some of the uh, the the scoring. That doesn't have anything to do with James Cameron, but the scoring. There's a lot of talent behind some of these movies that was just blossoming, and that was part of what made Roger Corman so special. And still to this day is that he found talent and he groomed them and they went on to bigger, better things. And, you know, you may not like trauma or you may have your own opinions on trauma, but Lloyd Kaufman does the exact same thing. Uh, there has been a ton of, of, of people that got their start with trauma or got their start working with Roger Corman. And so I, I'm so glad that that there are companies out there. There they were there were way back when, and they're still around now, especially Troma. But that that made these cool low budget movies that still have a life of their own that still exist uh, for us many generations later to enjoy and laugh at and laugh with, and they're just fun. And I it's the older I get, the more it seems like I get I grow tired of CGI quicker now than I used to. Um, and maybe that's just a part of getting older is I'm starting to more and more harken back to my earlier days of wanting more stuff, practical effects and wanting stuff. Uh, I mean, anymore, I love watching seventies and eighties movies. It's sometimes it's hard for me to watch newer movies. I want to watch the old stuff. So, uh, anyway, that's just me going off on another rabbit trail, but check out star crash. Uh, check out Battle Beyond the Stars and, of course, Death Race 2000. And if you want to know more about Death Race 2000, make sure that you listen to – or, well, make sure that you read uh, a potential review heading our way on Movie Freaks here here shortly on uh, Facebook. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. do appreciate you listening. Make sure that you tune into uh, my other podcast show that I'm uh, – co-hosting with Eric Marner, Jess Hicks, uh, called Movie Freaks. You can find us on iTunes and, of course, our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. Just listen to their most recent episode, and it's always fun to listen to them uh, go back and forth and banter. And I, Steve, by the way, I do think that you really need to watch The Witch. It is, just like I was talking about on this show, it feels like an older movie, and that's what I love, and I think it's a great movie, and I'm pretty sure you're going to really dig it. So, and not just Steve. People out there, go watch The Witch. It's a cool movie. A really cool movie. Uh, anyway, if you have any questions or comments or movies that you think I should watch, make sure that you email me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. And uh, otherwise, tune in again next time when I bring you more goodness from God knows what year. But uh, I shall return. Thanks for listening. Bye.